Welcome to the East Haven Men's Ministry Podcast. This is Jared. I am the Director of Men's Ministry, and I'm here with Pastor Chad. Howdy. And we are going to dive into some topics over the next couple of episodes, but this first topic, we are going to discuss men's ministry, what men's ministry is, our vision for men's ministry at the church that we feel that the Lord has put on our hearts, and just riff on that for a little bit. So... Uh, men's ministry, I got into men's ministry out of a need to connect with other men. I was leading my life myself and that wasn't going too well. And I just didn't have any good influences in my life outside of uh, just, I mean, a few people, I don't want to say I didn't have any influences, but I needed more, uh, more influence in my life. And so I joined the men's ministry at the church that I was going to. And, and that was good. And uh, then coming to East Haven, uh, jumped right into men's ministry and started meeting some of the men at, at East Haven and thought, you know, we really need to do some stuff here. Like the Lord is moving in this church and I want to be a part of that. And uh, fast forward to now, here I am sitting with Pastor Chad and we're going to talk about men's ministry. Let's do it. Yeah, I would say similar to you, I had experiences growing up where I definitely had influence of men, but it wasn't always positive influence. It was in a different direction. There was a culture that was uh, telling me and teaching me a lot of things through movies, through music, and it was, now looking back on it, it was a standard of manhood that was anti-biblical. It was how to take advantage of people, how to use people and resources to get ahead of other people and to advance myself. Um, and in some ways, you know, objectify the women around me and uh, that they were for my own personal consumption. And so those influences were not good and not having a dad in the picture that could model biblical manhood or what it means to be a follower of Christ those were the, the loudest voices in my life. And so uh, through the years, it has been in particular men's ministries in the churches that I've been a part of where there's been a focus on what does it mean to be a man that follows Jesus, not just an individual. And I think there's differences, obviously, between men and women in the way that they they apply the principles that we see in the scriptures. Yeah, for sure. And same here, you know, grew up in... 90s 2000 movie culture and music and boy there was a lot of just weird stuff that came out during those years but um you know the lord kept a hold of me and uh and despite all of those distractions um has led me here and i i think a lot of men uh, especially those men who grew up during that era uh you know had a lot of those influences and and are battling against a lot of what was kind of ingrained into their minds through those years. And, and it really is important just being among people who are like-minded. And that is where I, I struggled with most is finding a community of like-minded individuals. You know, even when I'd go to men's ministry, I was yet when I first started going to men's ministry, I was one of the younger guys and I was, you know, well into my thirties. Um, right. but trying to find a community of men who are 
like-minded is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be an interesting exercise to sit down and talk with guys. If you think about in your childhood, when you think of like the ultimate masculine figure who comes to mind. And for some people, it may be their dad. It may be their grandfather or an uncle or a big brother or somebody in their community. But I think for a lot of us, we're going to think, man, in my childhood growing up in the 80s and 90s, I'm looking at Sylvester Stallone. I'm looking at Arnold. I'm looking at Bruce Willis, maybe Dolph Lundgren. Like there's some particular actors that were just the most macho and and it's it's an interesting kind of deep dive into uh, now that we are grown is there even as like subconscious elements of what we saw in those those figures those characters because not even those men are really like that they were playing a role and so how much of our posturing in this world <laughs> is shaped by what we saw I mean, that's, I don't know what, I've rattled off obviously figures that stand out in my head. What what would be the figures, characters that you remember from your childhood that you're like, those are the, those are the dudes, those are men. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't watch as much TV or even movies as I used to. I used to watch a lot and mm-hmm. most of them were knucklehead movies, comedies and stuff like that. Um, movies, I don't even want to mention the names <laughs> because, because they're just, they're not men to look up to at all. They weren't macho. I mean, right. yeah, I watched some of those movies, you know, Rambo and all that stuff. I mean, you know, Predator, you know, all those movies where it's like, you know, men are just out there just handling business. But, um, I, I enjoyed a lot of the comedy and most of it was very, in very poor taste. Yeah. And so, you know, my mind, what I have to battle is just, you know, wanting to use inappropriate topics to laugh amongst normal conversation. And in my head, I'm like, right. I'll be thinking something and I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. And I just have to let that go. Um, you know, sometimes the movie quotes are appropriate and they're mm-hmm. fun to share. Uh, but most of the time, the ones in my head are not. And mm-hmm. they just, and it's a movie that I haven't seen in ages and. It's a conversation I've been having with my my boys lately who are uh, 12 and 10 that they really need to guard their mind because the things that they let into their mind seep into their heart. And once they're in their heart, it's much harder to to rid themselves of those things. Yeah, I had a a mentor in college that... uh... He made a comment. He said, the eyes of man will never edit or, uh, what did he say? The eyes of man will never edit or look away. And there's a sense in which we will take in what's in front of us. And part of our fallen nature is that then we have a tendency to dwell on it and replay it and revisit it. And so we have to be extremely cautious what we let in. And I'm trying to think, even as we're having this conversation about pop culture figures or movie or music ideas of manhood that came from culture and not from the Bible, for me, when did I make a transition or begin to see 
manhood in a biblical way because it wasn't right away. I remember even after coming to Christ in high school, having this kind of sense that there's there's the cool stuff and then there's the Christian stuff. There's there's this kind of popular view of manhood that I was still attracted to. And when I turned my attention towards Bible study, it was all soft and fluffy. And and so, I don't know, it, it just seemed so contrasted with what I saw in that pop culture portrayal of manhood that it was a, it was a long transition and, and it came in, I don't even know who preached it or how it was preached. It was in a Bible study or sermon, but I remember somebody pointing out to me in this kind of setting that Peter was a fisherman and did it his whole life along with his brother, Andrew and that the act of pulling fishing nets in all day, every day, those men probably had significant calluses on their hands and probably had incredibly strong lat muscles, deltoids, and forearms, like Popeye. And I thought, I was like, I've never thought about it that way. I just imagined Peter as this old dude with a long beard and a robe and just kind of soft hands. And to start to imagine these men as very rugged individuals, that was a new one for me. And that happened in college at some point. Yeah, and that's that's something really to think about. I mean, you don't really associate more extreme masculinity with somebody who is closely following Jesus, yeah. especially in a role like being one of the 12. Um which is, is, I don't know, a stereotype or, or right. I don't know, it could be anything. And it's not that way everywhere. It just, it just seems kind of common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I, I think earlier in my walk in watching movies, I would see these images of, or I'd say see these inspirations because I think these some of these stories. If you look at like the movie The Matrix, mm-hmm. it really pulls from. I mean, it could be, biblical truths could be all over that right. movie. Yeah, um, I don't know what inspired them if it was that, but I mean the idea of there being a one and having to overcome, you know, uh, uh, their his own mind and making decisions and not believing in himself and having doubt and all these different things. Um, I know some people would say, Oh, like maybe they're in the movie. It was a correlation to Jesus, but I think it's more of a correlation to our individual walk. I mean, you have, you have to make the decision at some point to, to take the the right pill, either the red pill or the blue pill. And one of those is going to put you back in the matrix and you're just going to be walking around and, oblivious to everything and and maybe that seems easier but it's not a a real life yeah uh, versus deciding to become aware of everything that's going on become aware of your sin become aware of the battles that are going on that you're gonna have to fight and you're gonna need god's help to fight like when i saw that movie i was just like blown away Mm. and it's still to this day one of my favorite movies because I watch that and I see that battle between my own will or my flesh and yeah. 
and the battle that the Lord has put before me. Yeah, and what what you see there resonates with your own experience and reality, which is that's what all good art does, right? And I think that there's a a reality that all stories borrow from the story. Like there is an overarching story of creation and humanity and you start to look around at all these movies that have a hero and a villain and overcoming and and being down and out and then so all the great stories and and the story structure it just echoes the great story that God has written in time for human history with Jesus Christ being the ultimate hero um so yeah anyway I think that's good stuff so you want us to talk about men's ministry at East Haven yeah so walk us through the mission of the church and how you see that relating to uh, to men's ministry. Yeah, if you uh, you walk into the church building, because again, we are the church. The church is not a location; it's a people. And so, when you when you enter the the building of East Haven, and you walk in, and and right before you kind of get to that fire pit, and you if you were to head down to the children's area. On the wall, there's there's kind of a, a bunch of words, and that is that captures our mission, right? What we individualize as a community. Here's here's how we're going to apply biblical truths, and, and the what that says is that our mission is to guide people along the journey to follow Jesus, that they would gather to encounter Jesus, grow in love for God and others, and then go to live and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to emanate from what is the the mission that Christ originally gave. You know, you go back to Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, he's after saying that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, Jesus, he tells his disciples to go make disciples. So he's telling these individuals, you have followed me, you are you are my followers, my faithful. Now go make more people like you. And he's saying this to the disciples and especially the apostles that are gathered. These men that have been called out of whatever other lifestyle they've been in, whatever their other occupations were, he's now given them a very specific assignment. And what we understand that to mean is that all of us, regardless of our occupation or our career path, What's a primary truth for us is that we are, if we are disciples, if we're following Jesus, our responsibility is to go make other people like us, other people that that are redeemed by Christ, that understand who we really are in Christ, and other people that are going to worship and follow and seek to glorify Him with their lives. And so the way that we articulate that at East Haven is through that mission statement, uh, helping people along the journey to follow Jesus in very specific ways. We want to gather on a regular basis because the scriptures make it clear that we're to be a a gathered people. Even the word church, uh, the Greek word ekklesia is called out ones. It's individuals that have been called out, and the implication is that they've been called together, that they're not doing this in isolation, they're doing it together. So there's a sense in which we gather. We gather on Sunday mornings or Saturday night. But there's also 
a healthy gathering on a regular basis with others in small groups or as men that we would gather one-on-one or in small groups with other men. But the, the implication of the scriptures is that you're doing this life with other people, not in isolation. And that is such an anti-American idea that we are individualist to our core, especially I think in this part of the country. We're rugged individualists. We don't want to need anybody else for anything. And I feel that in my my own life. Um, but the scriptures and the biblical worldview says, no, you come to a realization that you need other people. And it's designed to be that way. Like, uh, you just think about the spiritual gifts. You can go through any of the lists that you find in the New Testament with Paul, and you've got all these various gifts recognize that they're all intended for other people. Then you think about like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those imply other people. You can't do the fruit of the Spirit without someone else. And so to think that you're going to be a disciple on your loan, right, in your, your, your own efforts or by yourself that's to misunderstand what the scriptures say. So our our goal at East Haven, especially through men's ministry, is all of the stuff that you read on that wall, the gather, the grow, and the go, to do that led by men and particularly uh, targeting men in a way that is relevant for men. Like that, That's going to be different than the way that those principles play out in the lives of women or children or students. But men have different challenges that that we face every day. And so one of our goals is to figure out how does that manifest in the life of men in our church and how can we best posture uh, ourselves to help men on their journey to follow Jesus, to go make disciples. That means they have to be disciples themselves first. I don't know. How does that hit you? Yeah, I mean, I uh, that that resonates with me. Um, I f- I feel like, you know, mission statements like that, and you know, I'm I'm I've been self-employed f- since I was 20, and I'm in my early 40s, and I know that having a mission statement to drive uh, a business or you know whatever those things are in- important, um, but sometimes they just end up becoming words on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're words on the wall at our church, uh, but what it really comes down to is are we are we actually living out those words and living out that mission. And I think it's easy to look at those words and feel like as a church body, perhaps we're living out those words, Uh, but really they're an individual calling. I mean, the scripture, it's an individual calling Mm -hmm. put on each of our lives. And so I realized that I need to surround myself like with other, with other men who are actually doing this. Yeah. Uh, I could totally find plenty of believers that are not and probably, you know, have great conversations and have a good time and, and even connect over a hobby or something like that. But actually being around men who are desiring to, first of all, be a disciple, because I, I think the struggle is for most men is that they feel like they haven't been properly discipled. And so how am I going to go out and make a disciple if I don't feel like I've been discipled? I felt that 
when I took this discipleship class and I realized like, I'm not ready to go make disciples because I don't even know if I've been discipled properly. So what does that even look like? Yeah. And some people are hearing the word disciple going, I still don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't know what that means, or maybe that's not for me or, you know, my my deal isn't going up and talking to random people. A lot of people think Mm -hmm. man on the street, like somebody walking by and you look at them and you're like, okay, that person's going to know Jesus today. And, and maybe that's what happens sometimes when, you know, the spirit just won't leave you alone and you're, you see a person and you're like, okay, I feel like I need to talk to that person. I feel like we all have those moments, but in, in the rest of life, it's just living out a life that points back to Christ and being different enough, not different enough that you're weird, but different enough that people are like, wow, okay, this guy, this guy, you know, in his job is different. He does his job well, but he's different mm-hmm. in his, uh, the way he treats his wife is different. Uh, the way he treats his kids is different. Mm-hmm. And the way he talks to me is different. So like, but I, but I also feel like I respect this guy mm-hmm. at the same time. How are all of these boxes checked? What is this guy about? Like that, yeah. you know, that to me is, is being a disciple maker. Yeah. And I think to your point that people are going to, men are going to say, well, I've never been discipled. And so I don't know what it is. And so there's this sense in which we are intimidated by what we assume is some sort of formal plan, or somehow we missed the class on how to do this, or that there's a 12, you know, or a a seven step kind of hit these marks kind of thing. And there's certainly in the scriptures, marks of a disciple, Jesus will say, if you love me, then obey my commands and prove to be my disciple. And so there's some things that stick out, but in general, the word itself meant learner. So somebody who was a disciple, it's not a, it's not a concept that was invented by Christians, but in the Jewish context in the first century, any Jewish rabbi had disciples. And that was simply somebody that said, I'm committing myself to follow your entire way of life and to learn it and to replicate it. And so when he calls disciples, that was something that a lot of Jewish rabbis at the time had, and Jesus was their rabbi. And he's saying, come and follow my way of life. And that means you have to live with him. You have to actually follow him around. And in every single day, you're doing things with him and embodying the same life that he offers. And so what that means for us, it doesn't mean that you you like take a class and then you get the title disciple and you've now arrived and you have this this nameplate that says, hi, you know, I'm disciple so-and-so. It means that you have made a decision to follow him, to be in close proximity to him, and that you're on a, a spectrum. That this now means this for the rest of your life, you're wanting to be a learner following the master teacher, Jesus. And what we're saying at East Haven and men's ministry is join us because we're all at different spots on that journey, and we're going we're gonna to get on the path together. And you see that with the various disciples in the New Testament. There were some that were at different places. And, and as they're all following Jesus day after day, they all had different levels of understanding at different points. And even after he ascends, they go in to different places to replicate that life of Jesus in other people. And so 
Yeah, I want to push against anybody out there who thinks they they can't do it because they never received it. The reality is if you have accepted Christ and, and given your life to him and you are following him, you're a disciple. Now, to whatever extent you're maturing and growing in that relationship, that's what we're talking about here, that there are different avenues that you can engage in. And so we have classes on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday afternoons that are specifically wired for discipleship and helping people grow intellectually and spiritually in their walk. You've got the gatherings on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. And then there's other small group gatherings. For instance, there's a Thursday morning gathering with just men. I believe it's at 6 a.m. And a group of men gather at the church building to spend time on the Word and encouraging one another. There's small groups that families can get together and multiple families can gather and the men can develop relationships with the other dads in those families and begin bonding over what is parenting, what is marriage, how does this, how does my following Jesus impact and, and shape the way I do these other things? So, yeah, discipleship is, we have to probably sometimes dispel the, the intimidation factor and, and kind of help people understand that that's not something to be intimidated by. So what we're really saying is go make learners yeah. of, of God's word. And so what does that look like? If we take the word disciple out and just trade it out for learn, making a learner, yeah. being a learner, what does it look like to go make learners? Yeah. So you've got, um, in fact, even in that, that Matthew 28 passage, 19 and 20, the second verse, 20, says, well, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And so we have to be people that are understanding the Scriptures ourselves and spending regular time with the Lord in His Word and then in a place where we can help others learn those same commandments of how to love and how to treat people and how to engage with people and how to say no to sin and yes to him. What does repentance mean? What does it mean to walk by faith? What does it mean to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? These things are things that he's commanded. And so we're in the process of always learning those and learning those not only in our head, but experientially. What does it mean to obey in this world with all of the various technologies and challenges we face what do these principles look like in our lives experientially? And so we're going to learn that together. And uh, we're going to also confess sin to one another because that's something he commands us to do. Confess your sin to one another. And you may be healed, it says. So, okay, well, we're going to be living life with the understanding that we're going to mess up. And so we need to have a community of people we can mess up and fess up to. And that way we can grow and we can heal and we can we can be like our rabbi, our teacher. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of terms that we could use or that we use in in uh in church that maybe need a little demystifying sometimes. And right. not because it's a difficult word to understand or whatnot. It's just the the connotations around that word that have been built um just through everybody's experiences. And I know for me early on becoming a disciple maker sounded like something I needed to be like thoroughly trained in. Mm -hmm. And, 
um, the, the, the guy who kind of walked me through that, um, had some really neat tools to, to help get in those types of conversations. But I, I felt ill-prepared mm-hmm. because I didn't know if I had been discipled or if I, you know, had even entered, what does that even look like? And so understanding that it's, it's not a destination. Like I don't reach disciple peak right. and I'm like peak disciple. And it's not and, a merit badge. You don't correct, like arrive at that rank. It, correct. It's just like our sanctification. It's an ongoing process that lasts a lifetime and so being a disciple lasts a lifetime, just like that sanctification process and making disciples mm-hmm. is no more than helping other people see Jesus. Yeah. And so I, I would say next steps or for anybody who's listening to this podcast and are are hearing us talk about this and go, okay, yeah, I hear you. I should be making disciples. Uh, I think the the easiest next step, the threshold to get over, is going to be making a decision to you yourself being a disciple, of developing a plan around regularly engaging in God's Word, and then beginning to pray and ask the Lord, who is it that you would want me to partner with? Who should I come alongside that's in my life right now and then the next step would be inviting them to a time of regularly, if it's once a week, just say, hey, can we get together, grab coffee, grab lunch, grab breakfast, grab an early morning this, you know, every week, and just read the Bible together and talk about it. You don't have to have an agenda. You don't have to have a curriculum. Your plan can be as simple as meeting regularly and reading the Bible together and trying to understand it and live in light of what you read. It's as simple as it has to be. Uh, there are obviously tons of resources and tools you could go further with. Another challenge that I think we have in our culture is is the the kind of other side of the coin of discipleship is evangelism. So going to make disciples means telling people about Jesus that don't follow him currently. And so another prayer to pray is, Lord, who is it that you want me to share my story with? And give the reason for the hope that I have. And just be open to, in your day, if somebody crosses your path and the Spirit prompts you to ask them a question or say, hey, can I pray for you? Or they ask you, hey, what's up with you? How come you're you're not phased by what's going on in the world today? How come you're so cool about it? Be willing to share the real reason. And that's all that it is. So I want to... You know, make it very approachable for guys because sometimes we'll overcomplicate it in an effort to kind of talk ourselves out of it and go, well, it doesn't apply to me because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you know how to read. And if you don't, you can get the audio Bible and listen to it with someone else and talk about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, evangelism is a whole nother topic uh, that we could dive into. And I, I really think that people batch discipleship and evangelism into the same bucket which makes it scary Mm -hmm. and uh uh, but we're gonna we're gonna end this episode we're wanting to keep these around 30 minutes and we went just a little long on this one uh but in the next episode of the men's ministry podcast 
uh, we're going to dive into what men's ministry is doing and what our plans are uh, to to just engage the men of our church. So thanks, Chad, for being here today. Yeah, thanks, Jared. And we'll see you all in the next one. See you.